Good morning, church. I love that. I love that our live stream and online um, family is now such a, a vital part of what we do every Sunday. What a blessing. That which the evil one attempts to push and pull us apart, God brings us together. Amen? And that's what's happened during the pandemic. We probably never, you know, we just before just set a camera up and basically just tried to, you know, someone is not able to be here this Sunday. And now thousands, thousands of people were able to be a part of what we're doing here at White's Bay Road. Today, during our worship time, I was not able to sing. Thank you, Pine Pollen. <laughs> right? I mean, I've told you before, we live in a place not fit for human habitation. <laughs> Everything here hurts us, Right? So we're either incredibly dumb or incredibly tough or both. Uh, and yet here we are. So I wasn't able to sing, but the, the worship was fantastic. I love listening to you sing this morning. And I just kept being flooded by memories of spending most of 46 years of my 56 here at WFR. What a blessing. Uh, I saw Bill and Yvonne Smith here today. Welcome home. Uh, yeah, give them a round of applause. I hadn't had a chance to say hello, but I know it's been a year. Last Sunday, Rudy and Beth Burns, uh, uh, Rudy came up and introduced himself to me because I hadn't seen him in so long. And he told me that last Sunday, they celebrated 63 years of marriage. That deserves a round of applause, right? Welcome, Fellowship Center. Glad you guys are here. 63 years together. What a blessing. And I mean, they must have gotten married at birth because Beth doesn't look a day over 63, right? It's incredible. Man, it's so good to see you guys again that haven't been able to be here. Uh, got those vaccinations going. Kellett told me this morning he's getting his vaccination today. So uh, that's, uh, that's good that those of you are able to do that and, uh, and be here with us is, is a great blessing. Um, so our scripture reader today, come on up, Colton. It's Colton Tomlinson. And I wanted to share with you, so I get a, a text every week uh, from Cynthia Johnson, who our scripture reader is going to be. And so they usually give me a little intel so I can introduce, you know, some of our youth uh, to the church. And so this week she said, uh, Colton Tomlinson, he's 13, he's about to turn 14. I love it when you're young, it's always what you're about to be, right? When you get our age, you're trying to hope that, you know, hold off as long as possible. He goes to Claiborne Christian, and then she said, and he liked to make, make music. That's what it says on my text. So I responded, I said, is he a rapper? <laughs> and she said, LOL, which silent means laugh out loud. Uh, I think you should ask that on stage. So, Colin, are you a rapper? Okay, he's not a rapper. I was going to get him to rap something. So instead, we'll get him to rap our verse. How about that? Second Tim- Timothy 2, verses 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is Jesus Christ, with eternal glory. All right. Good job, bro. Thank you. We hope you go and make, make some music. Did you catch that phrase in the middle? I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. I love that. And that's really the theme of what we're going to be talking about this morning. 
And we're going to be in Acts chapter 12, if you want to follow along in your Bible or your phone or whatever it is you find the Word of God on these days. Acts chapter 12, unchained. And I, and I could have called it prison break because there is a prison break. But I love the idea that you cannot chain the Word of God. Even if you're in chains, the Word of God is unchained. Let's read the story. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, before we go forward, this is the first time we see the name King Herod pop up since, since Jesus was murdered. Uh, different Herod, but all part of the same family. And I just want to remind you of sort of the power structure of what's going on as we've been studying this book of Acts. You know, the Romans are occupiers. So Pontius Pilate, of course, is the governor. He's the one that's put there by Rome to just basically don't, don't have any trouble. No uprisings, just try to keep, basically keep the people under control, which is what a lot of politicians do. Amen? I mean, they just try to just keep the people under control. We don't need uprisings. We don't need problems. Now, under that, of course, we have the Israel monarchy, which is part of the Herod structure. You remember Herod the Great? He was the one that tried to kill baby Jesus. So I don't know why he was so great. He sounds like a jerk to me, right? He killed all these children trying to kill Jesus. So they're all part of his lineage. After he died, basically, the kingdom of Israel was split up into four parts. And so his sons were tetrarchs, or basically they were over certain parts of Israel. And so this Herod, which his name is Agrippa, he's not even really, he's a a nephew of one of the original Herods. So he's sort of an appointee. And the reason why is because he's a really good puppet for Rome. Caligula, who was a very infamous emperor of Rome. He's the one that gave him all of Herod's land. So he's a puppet. So now we know that the Jewish leadership who's trying to basically stamp out Christianity and they've been trying to do things, but they're so afraid that they're going to do the wrong thing that they've just kind of been spinning their wheels. Finally, one of their ranks rise up, Saul, who takes the bull by the horns and he starts persecuting and he even kills one of the young leaders Stephen and finally we got some traction we're going to put this movement down but of course what Satan intends for his will God expands and they didn't know what they were up against this Saul this henchman this terrorist is now converted to the cause what are they going to do now nothing they realize they have no power So I I figure, I don't know this because the scripture doesn't tell us this, but I figure someone whispered into Herod's ear, you know, maybe it's time for the monarchy to step in and stamp this out. I mean, he just appears, right? He's decided he's going to get involved in this Christian movement. And so that's what he starts doing. He's persecuted. Look at verse 2. He had James, the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, Put to death with the sword. Which, you know, when I was studying this this week, it just made me sad to think about that. It took me back to the verse in Matthew 20, 22. You remember when the sons of thunder had their mom come to Jesus and say, you know, I think 
James should be on one side and John should be on the other when you're going to be ruling Israel here on the earth. That's what's her thought and their thought. And they're just over there waiting to hear what Jesus had to say. You remember what Jesus said in Matthew 20, 22? You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said to them, can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they said. And Jesus said, oh, you will indeed. And now we're at that moment, right? James is the first of the original group to be martyred for the cause. And you wonder about that. Why is that, I wonder? The son of thunder is no more. And yet we're still talking about him all these years later. Verse 3. When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, and after all, he is a politician, right? we got to get check the polls and see how we're doing. Approval of the Jews. He proceeded to seize Peter also. And let's face it, everybody in this young movement knows that Peter basically is the voice of the movement. He's the one that stood up in Acts 2, preached that first gospel sermon. He and John were the ones that were there in the temple and healed the crippled man. And everybody's running around saying, this is amazing. So Herod says, you know, we're going to go for the cut the head off the snake philosophy. I'm emboldened now. The political winds are at my back. And so he seizes Peter. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each, 16 men, to guard little old Peter. Making sure he doesn't go anywhere, right? Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover. So we got another trial around the Passover. Has this happened before? About 10 years earlier, kangaroo court, remember? You think Peter was going to get a fair shake? Think some good due process is coming his way? I don't think so. So Peter was kept in prison. And there's a couple of words that when they appear in the scripture, you should always pay attention. But. The other one is if. When you see but and if in the scriptures, you are to perk up. Because that means something's about to happen. But the church was earnestly praying to God. All this political power, all these powerful people, decisions being made, people put in jail. But there's the church praying earnestly to God. Father, your will be done. I'm sure they prayed when they heard about James, but it was his time, right? God knows what he's doing. But our prayer is effective and powerful and can change circumstances and can remind God that we're here. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 6. You know, it's that great description of all this armor that we have, all these great things that he's given us. And then he closes that section of verse 18 of Ephesians 6 with this. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Not just for healing, but sometimes that someone can be unchained. All occasions. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Watchful, thinking, 
People say, I don't know. How do you have an effective prayer life? You just talk to God. He's everywhere. He's always listening. It's a conversation that really never ends. Pray also for me, Paul said, that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the gospel, the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. You know, it's ironic. Paul, as a young man, spent his life becoming a great Pharisee, thinking he understood exactly what God wanted him to do. Then he acted on that in full belief that he was doing the right thing by persecuting this movement of these Christians. Then he spent the last half of his life in chains for the cause. You see, that's the first thing we learn about today. You could be locked up, but you can't lock God out of any place. You can't lock him out. You can't bottle him up. You can't explain him away. You can't turn to salt water and say, you know what, that's where we came from. As we flopped out on the bank and then became what we are today. He is who he is. And the prayer of righteous people is powerful and effective, James said in James chapter 5. Let's look back at the text. Verse 6. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers. So imagine the scenes. We know we got 16 guys assigned to him. I'm sure some are, you know, working the other shift. But we got two literally on either side. They are very afraid of Peter. And they should be. Bound with not one chain, but two. Double chained with two guys sitting on either side. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. There's a few more outside. Nobody's going to break him out until they do. Verse 7, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. Uh Uh-oh. What are we going to do about that? Sentries and guards on either side and double chained. A light shines in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. I love it that Peter's just like, you know, another day. He's just sleeping in double chains with guards on both sides. Waiting to be executed. Because that was what was going to happen, right? I mean, this trial was not going to be in with him saying, okay, we decided to let you go. I mean, he's sleeping on the night before his death. And he seems to be sleeping pretty well because the angel has to strike him to wake him up. That's the way I want to be when I'm facing doom. That I trust God that much. I'm just getting me some good Z's. Love it. Quick, he said, get up. And the chains fell off his wrists. You cannot chain the people of God. The angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. Peter did so. I love it. It's like, it's like waking up your kids to go to school, right? You have to give them every instruction. Because he's a bit startled, I'm sure. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter's like, what? 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 In fact, we know it says he follows him out of the prison, but he had no idea 
that what the angel was doing was really happening because he thought it was just a vision. Now, in Peter's defense, he's been getting a lot of visions lately, right? We had him up on the roof and the thing's coming down from heaven. And I'm not sure what am I doing. And so I, I, I feel bad for Peter in a way because God keeps speaking to him in these visions. Is this happening? Is it not happening? I feel like it's real. I don't know. They passed the first and second guards. They came to the iron gate leading to the city. And in my mind, because, you know, I like, like Avengers and X-Men. We talked about this before. It's, it's like, you know, like on the movie when, like, time stands still and everybody's just like, you know, it's frozen and you're, people are just walking past. Was it like that? Because they didn't see what was going on. They were there. I mean, but they didn't see it. It's like a movie. Except it's real. The gate opens by itself. And they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left. Again, we've seen this happen all over the book of Acts. Someone's there, then they're gone. Teleportation. Dimensional control. I mean, people are there, then they're not there. It almost doesn't seem real, and yet we know that it is real. It's the power of what the Almighty can do. It's incredible. Then it said in verse 11, Peter came to himself. I don't even know what that means. But all of a sudden, he was like, you know what? This is real. I'm on a street. I was in jail just a few minutes ago. Somehow, I'm here. Now I know, Peter said, without a doubt, that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. What a moment. I mean, Peter's experienced a lot in these eight or ten years since this whole thing started. But this is pretty amazing. And in that moment, he realized that God had more for him to do. He was ready to die for the cause. In fact, he's known that, right? Didn't Jesus tell him, someone's going to lead you where you don't want to go. You're going to be martyred. So he thought, you know, this is it. I'm ready. And we say, well, you know, this is, this is a life and death situation. It's all a life and death situation. We live, we die. The point is, what do we do in the middle? Are we chained or are we unchained? It's all life and death. We have a decision. We serve the Almighty God. Oh, no, it's so bad. Our government, who's the president now? It's what is going to happen to us? We live and we die. And we serve the greatest being there is in the universe. That's who we are. That's what we do. We make the most of every opportunity. All the years, all the great people, I was just flooded with them this morning. thought about Myers and we were seeing complete. I thought about Charlie and Cindy last week because of something Tara told me. All these great people I've had the privilege of knowing, walking with on the earth. Another one is Doyle Jennings. Those of you who have been here a while, you remember Doyle. Big boy, his dad called him. When Doyle, he had brain cancer. 
And I went and saw him in the hospital, and, you know, the cancer was affecting his emotions. And so he'd be laughing one minute, crying the next. But he told me something I've never forgotten, and I want to mention it in this context today. He looked at me and said, Al, you know, I figured something out. We all have a certain number of days. What do we do with them? And I don't know how many years ago that was, but that struck me. Because here was a man who knew he was nearing the end of his life. And yet he had had an impact on me. And he's telling me, don't waste it, son. God needs to use you a certain number of days. You look at James, you know, why, why did the son of thunder have to die? Because he had a certain number of days. And he spent them giving glory to God. He was part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John. And yet Peter had a little bit more to do. But he would end too. And so will all of us. Look back at verse 12. When this had dawned on him, Peter, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. First time we see about Mark, but he's going to have a huge impact in the future. Where many people had gathered and were praying. I wonder what they were praying about. Maybe they were praying that God would break Peter out of jail. As crazy as that seems. Maybe they were just praying that Father, we trust you that we really would like Peter to get out. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it. <laughs> if a miracle shows up at your door, open the door. <laughs> Poor Rhoda. She gets one mention in the Bible, and it's for leaving Peter outside. She goes back to the others. Peter's at the door. Now, I love the response. And this is so us. You're out of your mind. Girl, what is wrong with you? We're praying about getting him out of jail. Let's get back to praying. No, he's there. I just left him. I didn't let him in. When she kept insisting, they said, it must be his angel. I love it. It can't be him because prayer doesn't work. That's the other thing. If, if a miracle shows up at your door, open the door. But also, don't make it so hard to be convinced that God answers prayer. When it's standing at the door. Man, we just miss it, right? Sometimes. So Peter keeps on knocking. And then they opened the door and they saw him. They were astonished. And apparently they started yelling and screaming because Peter motions with his hand. Shh. You know, get me arrested again? Calm down, people. And he described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James, the brother of Jesus, who was kind of the leader of the Jerusalem church, and the other brothers and sisters about this. And then he left and went to another place. I'm getting away from these crazy people. Back in hiding for a while. Realizing that God had more for him to do. You know, the story basically ends with what happens in the aftermath. Look back at verse 18. In the morning there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. Yeah, you think? 
After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards personally and ordered that they be executed. Sixteen men lost their life over this little episode. You know what that tells me? We need to leave room for God to do what he does when it comes to revenge, when it comes to being hurt, being wounded. God will take care of business. You don't have to do that. These six. That's why you have another mic right there at the handy. Look at there. What Satan intends for evil is good, right? So I'm going to the handheld. So there's a cross-examination. Sixteen men are executed. You know why? Because they were on the wrong side. You don't want to be on the evil one side. You don't want to be on the political win side. You want to be on God's side. And what of Herod? Look down at verse 21. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered public address to the people. So he's just going forward. We've killed the 16 guys. We still haven't done anything about the movement, but you know what? I'm still the king. I'm still running this show. So he gives his address, and the people shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Oh, he's so good. Look at Herod in his finery, running, running this country. And then, immediately, God says, you know what? Hold my Yahweh Yeti and watch this. <laughs> immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. And we find out from history the worms were on the inside. Not pretty. You don't want to be on the wrong side. You want to be on the side that can take the chains and they fall to the ground. That can make the evil one and his enemies not even see you're there. That's the power of the Almighty. God and his redemptive plan cannot be chained by humanity ever. Unchained. That's the power. Paul wrote in Romans 6, verse 8, If we died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. That's in this life and the one to come. That's living unchained. Now, when we read these stories, they seem so fantastical. That it's almost like they're not real, but they are. And you begin to think, you know, could things like this happen in our time? And the answer is yes. Today we have a story, an amazing story. Video testimony that I want to share with you. Guys, can you roll that? Good morning, church family. My name is Randall. I have the privilege and honor of representing you and being the state rep for Solvay Recovery inside jails and prisons. My story begins when I was incarcerated back in 2000, August of 2006, and I shared my 
testimony, short testimony with a fellow from Juarez, Mexico. His name is Ben. And we were in a holding facility in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma, a federal holding facility. And I shared Jesus with him. He was reading his Bible, and I was reading my Bible also. And he was reading the Old Testament. He said, God's a mean God. And I said, yes, he's a mean God, but he's a, a God of wrath because he's a jealous God. But he's also a God of love, mercy, and forgiveness. And I shared Jesus with him and what Jesus had done in my life and shared some scripture with him. Old and New Testament scripture, and we walked off. Then the next morning, I shared uh, Jesus with him again, and he said that he hadn't slept any last night. Could he or ask me how he could make or ask Jesus into his life and make him a new man? So we got down on our knees in front of a lot of other inmates and his homies, of course. Little did I know who he was, and we got down on our knees, and he asked Jesus to become his Lord and Savior. And a fellow that I was incarcerated with come up to me after it was over with and asked me what we were doing. And I told him, and he said, man, do you know who that fellow was? And I says, no, I don't really care. And he said, what were y'all doing? And I told him. And he said, man, that guy was the leader of one of the most notorious, vicious gangs from Juarez, Mexico. And I said, well, he's not anymore. He's a new man because Jesus just made him a new man because he asked him to come into his life. And he says his charge is conspiracy to orchestrate and or participate in the murder of two border guards. And he has a double life sentence and where he's going, he'll never see the light of day again. His destination was Colorado Springs, Colorado Supermax underground. They stay locked down for 23 hours a day. And as I come home from my prison time, I kept in touch with him by letters that were provided to me by my probation officer. Dear Mr. Greer, I sure hope you remember me. I just wanted you to know that I am well and doing just fine. I stay locked down for 23 hours a day, but as you know, we can have one hour of rec time, so we have Bible study. I have been honored to tell and lead over 50 guys to our Jesus Christ, and even two of the guys with the guards that guard me. One of them even helps me in the Bible study. Can you believe that? What an awesome God we have. Mr. Greer, I thank Jesus every day for you sharing with me that morning in Oklahoma City about the Bible and Jesus. I pray for you every day. I'll continue to try to write you, so please try and write me back. I hope this finds you well. You know that I'm serving two life sentences, but because of Jesus, I've never felt more free in all of my life. Keep praying, keep believing, and keep loving like you loved me. Your friend and brother forever, Ben. And he told me that he had started a Bible study, led 50 men to Jesus, and then he got online and became a minister and a, a pastor online from college, a Trinity Bible College. And he started a church which with over 500 members. He even led three of his guards to Jesus. This little man was on fire for Jesus. And he also wrote his appeal to the United States Supreme Court and won. And he was coming home. And in that... He is now the, the person with the most time cut in the, over the 150-year history of the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And he came home. He came home to ORS. And as always, preaching the gospel, sharing Jesus, and he led his family, about 25 or 30 people, to Jesus and started the local church right there in ORS. And his church started off small, as they always do at first. And then it just became... 100, 200, 300, and of course they don't have the fire marshals down there, so now it's standing room only. But little did he know that somebody was watching him. 
and it was the cartel that he used to work for. And they kidnapped him. And they tortured him. And by a phone call that I had about three three weeks ago from his sister to my probation officer, as they kidnapped him, they brought him in front of his church and his sister. And the reason being, they thought that he had, he had told on them that's why he come home. And they asked him to stop preaching the gospel and come back to the gang and sell drugs for the cartel and run drugs for the cartel. And he wouldn't do it. And he was on his knees telling his brothers and sisters of his church that he loved them. And as he looked at his sister, the words that he said sent my heart to the, to the core. He said, would you please get a message to Mr. Randall and thank him for sharing Jesus with me. And as he said that, he began to sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. And he executed, they executed him. And as that happened, the members of his church and his family continued singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. Family, you never really realize who you share with when you share. So never pass up the opportunity to share your hope that you have. Jesus loves you, so do I. chain that's what that means Peter James John Ben Randall sharing the undeniable unshakable truth that we can live forever that just happened a few weeks ago You read these stories, they seem fantastical, and you think, could it happen? It is happening. Two people taking a stand for the Almighty. My question to you this morning, whether you're online, whether you're in the Fellowship Center, whether you're here, is what's binding you? What chains are holding you back? Acts 12 closed this story with, the word of God continued to spread and flourish. You can't keep God out. Sometimes we try to keep him out. The evil one gets in there, he gets to working on us. I mentioned about my 46 years here. Four of them I gave to the evil one. Started here and then I just left. I was chained. Until I finally came to my senses in a pig pen and said, I don't want to be chained anymore. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. That's why I'm here today. Verse 25 said, Barnabas and Saul finished their mission. They returned to Jerusalem and they took John Mark with them. You see, every time someone falls, every time someone dies... Every time someone finishes the mission that they had, God's always raising up the next generation. The older I get, the more I appreciate that. 
That's what God is doing here. That's why we need everyone on board for the mission. This generation, the next generation. We've got a lot of work to do, folks. But we can't do that if we're bound ourselves in chains. Whether it's sin, whether it's some illness, whether it's something that you just not have been able to say, you know what, God, I'm, I trust you no matter what. I will sleep soundly at night and be ready to go when it's time to go. That's how we want to be before the Almighty. If something is holding you back today, we want to give you an opportunity to give that to the one who can do something about it. The breaker of chains. If you have a need, why don't you come while we stand and while we sing?